Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Jerry Sue with the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. For today's podcast, I got the chance to sit down and talk to Heath Sims, the head MMA and wrestling coach at Evolve MMA in Singapore, the top martial arts gym and team in all of Asia, and one of the top facilities in the world. Heath has a wealth of both life experiences and MMA knowledge gained through his 35 years of wrestling, training, coaching, and fighting in MMA. He's also a former co-owner of Team Quest with Dan Henderson, Randy Couture, and Matt Lindland. Prior to Team Quest, he was a member of the United States Greco-Roman wrestling team at the 2000 Olympics. He's always been a top-ranked wrestler throughout the 1990s and traveled the world competing and training. During his years in wrestling, he developed an uncanny level of mental toughness, fighting through injuries, going against high-level rivals at the highest level, and just being an all-around badass um, in the wrestling room and training with the U.S. Olympic team as well as Dan Henderson and the guys from Team Quest. I learned a lot about both life, martial arts, and toughness through our conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, this is Jerry Sue with Jiu-Jitsu Toms. I'm here with Heath Sims, the head wrestling coach and MMA coach over at Evolve MMA in Singapore. How are you doing today, Heath? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, just wanted to start off. Um, your dad, he was also a great wrestler as well as you You were. Um, he, he competed in 1972 Olympic trials. Um, how old were you when you started wrestling? Um, I, I started wrestling late. Mm-hmm. Um, when I entered high school, it was my first year of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got interested in it, not necessarily from my dad, but uh, some people came by and did a wrestling demonstration. And me and my buddy just kind of decided to join. Uh, once I did and I got into it, then my dad really got behind me and, and helped me a lot. And he never really pushed you into wrestling? Or? No, no. He never pushed me into wrestling. But once I, once I decided to do wrestling, he really supported me and helped me. Mm-hmm. And was he, um, in, coach, in terms of coaching, was he really hands-on? Or did he leave it up to your high school and club coaches? Uh. Uh, he was hands-on to a point um, when I met my uh, eventual full-time coach my sophomore year after my sophomore year in high school um, I had I joined a really good club that he coached at and my dad was there for um, not necessarily the technical wrestling aspect but the mentality the you know helping me with the training um, you know all the different adversities you have to, to getting everything done. Mm-hmm. Did he ever tell you why he didn't push you into wrestling or since he was also a great wrestler and uh, you see it pretty, in many cases where a dad who was great at one sport or a parent would then push their kids into it. Did he ever tell you why? Um, you know, I just I don't I just don't think he wanted anyone to do something they weren't into, you know. He, he waited until I had an interest in it and then once he saw I had an interest and a liking to it and uh <laughs> He jumped right in head first and yeah. pushed me along and really helped. And, and you started right when you were in high school. And within four years of wrestling, you had two state titles, numerous other Greco freestyle, collegiate style wrestling titles. Um, yeah, it's actually pretty crazy. Like, I, I started high school, started wrestling my freshman year. After my sophomore year, I had a pretty... I was a sophomore. I won league mm-hmm. championships, but that's about it in the terms of having a good year was not very good um after my sophomore year i joined a wrestling club and that's where i met my eventual coach bob anderson Mm -hmm. and i went from after my sophomore year 
competing all during the summer, uh, traveling a lot of different competitions, and then wrestling through the next year. I went from basically being a nothing to winning the state championships. And I actually won my first national championship when I'm, uh, I was still in high school. And when you won that national title, uh, you decided not to attend college uh, and skip the whole NCAA wrestling and go straight towards Olympic freestyle. What, what um, factored into that decision? Because you see many guys maybe taking the Olympic redshirt year. Uh, what, what was the process that you went through that uh, um, made you decide to skip to college? It was a... It was an interesting situation for me, and um, I actually talked to Henry Cejudo about it also because he was very similar situation where after high school, I was two years out from an Olympic year, and I had a great training situation with my wrestling club, with my coaches, with my partners. I was training with other guys that were training to make the Olympics. Um, college wasn't going to help me reach that goal, and after... Um, in 1990, 1990 mm -hmm. I ended up second at the World Team Trials, so I was actually ranked number two in the country um, two years out from the Olympics. So I thought, man, I might as well give this a try. <laughs> I got all the resources, I got the coaches, I got the support. I can always go back to college and, uh, and, and go to college or wrestle in college if I want to later. So I, I took the year off. and traveled and trained all around the world. And during that time, um, which colleges were recruiting you or were it showed interest in you, especially being a two-time state champion in California? Yeah, I actually, I had a lot of offers. Iowa, Iowa State, I took a trip out to Oklahoma State, mm -hmm. um, um, some of the East Coast colleges. Um, it really wasn't an issue on like where to go it was more of an issue on did I want to go to college and wrestle or not you know? mm -hmm. and one of the interesting facts I learned about you was that in you were in Russia in 1991 during the coup what was that like for you were you just trying <laughs> to make a run for the embassy where what was that whole experience of being no, in a political coup? Uh, I was actually traveling with Dan Henderson and two other wrestlers, and we were in Sweden, I believe, and we were taking a flight the next day to Moscow, and we're reading about all this stuff that's happening, and we're like, wow, we, you know, we can't go to Russia. This is terrible. And uh, our coach said, no, no, it's going to be okay. So we actually, two days after the coup, we flew into Moscow. But then we went to a smaller city outside of Moscow, uh, a training camp, and it was fine. We, and we stayed in, in Russia that trip for five months. Mm -hmm. So during that five months, there's huge changes all along Russia. Russia, the, the ruble, you know, went down about 1,000%, huge changes. So it was actually a really neat experience uh, to, to see the changes and not really be part of it, but all the guys you were associated with were, were part of it. And uh, sir, even though you didn't you decide to skip out on college after high school, do you feel like you got a great education, just life experiences, training in wrestling, traveling the world? I think it's invaluable. Like a young athlete who can travel and, and meet other athletes, meet other cultures, see how other people live. Um, it, you, just, you can't replace that experience. You know, I. I uh, when I started 
coaching a young uh, team in Temecula. Uh-huh. I actually brought 20 wrestlers over to Armenia and uh, just for a wrestling trip. And um, we trained with the Russians, we trained um, every day, we lived there, we saw, went to see sites. and. I knew it was such a big experience for me, I wanted to share with other people, and uh, it really opened the eyes for a lot of those kids. Now, uh, Anthony Martinez, he's actually trying to make the Olympic team now, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the other kids wrestled through college, and um, you know, they all said it was almost a, a career changer. <laughs> In Armenia, that's one of those, so much history there, both good and bad there. Um, in addition to training, did you get a chance to take them on any of the cultural trips? Where we did, sightseeing? yeah, we did. We uh, we went to went to different uh, areas where they had the huge genocide. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, learned about that. Learned about their culture and, and the people there are just so friendly. They just they invited us in. They they, they helped us out whatever we needed, and and we learned a lot. So mm-hmm. it's like I said, just just traveling and meeting people in other countries, uh, seeing how they live, um, and, and wrestling those athletes. Notice that, finding out that they're just like you. They're training every day. They have struggles. They, you know, you think you think Russian wrestle, oh, they're all so good, but there's different levels in their system too. They they might be deeper, but they're still young kids that are in the same position as our young kids. There's guys trying to break through, and you know, so it's it's. Um, invaluable to me mm-hmm. and also what was it like traveling with Dan Henderson at the time uh, well you know I, I knew Dan since we met uh, when I joined the wrestling club mm-hmm. the California Jets and uh, we traveled quite a bit got to be really good friends you know Dan was best man at my wedding I was best man at Dan's wedding and mm-hmm. um, just got along really well um, you know Dan is always He's always a lighthearted guy. He's always fun to be around. He trained hard. He pushed himself hard, um, and it was you know it was, it was a good friend to have. It was a good training partner to have, and you know we had a lot of good experiences. One thing um, I'm going to ask you some questions on mental toughness and how to mentally prepare. But how was Dan Henderson able to be so calm and almost have a little smirk on his face during those stare downs with Vanderlei Silva back in Pride? Whereas Vanderlei's mean mugging him, where it melted some people, and Dan kind of just was looking at him. <laughs> How's he able to stay that cool under pressure? And you know, knowing him the way uh, you know him. Well, it's funny you say that because that was the first fight I was actually in a corner. Mm-hmm. I was in the corner for Dan when he fought, was in that fight, and I was scared. I was looking across the ring at Vanderlei, and I was scared. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Dan's just experienced wrestling, competing in so many different tournaments. Um, you know, he, he, he wrestled against the best guys in the world. He can, we practiced with the best guys in the world. You get your, your butt kicked, you get thrown around, and you just learn to be tough. You're either going to get tough, you're going to pull through it and survive, or you're going to fade off and your career is over. So, you know, Dan, Dan's unique. He's probably the toughest guy I know. I mean, if you just think about a tough guy, Dan, mentally tough, physically tough, they, they don't make too many Dan Andersons. <laughs> and he's in his mid-40s, he just signed on to fight Shogun Hua again. They had the epic first, where, where no, 
Did he sign? He just signed another fight. Uh, he just signed the fight uh, Machida again. Oh, Machida. My apologies. Yeah. But how's he still able to fight at his age? And how's he still able to be in great shape at his age? No, no, no. Um, just genetic freak, or part of it's a genetic freak. Part of it is he's really learned to adapt his training to. Um, you know, because as you get older, you don't recover as fast. You can't do certain things. So he he knows what he can do. He knows what he can't do. He needs more recovery in between workouts. So he he's adapted his training for that. Um, but he also feels you know he feels good in training. He he can compete with the best guys that come into the room and train with them. And I think that gives him the confidence. Going, you know, I can I can still go out there and do this. I, I, I do it in practice every day, so there's no reason why I can't go out there and, and still compete. Um, he doesn't have any major injuries, and uh, you know, and, and again, he's, he's he's mentally tough. His mental game is not going to let him down. Again, yeah, Harvey, I met the toughest. You've overcome a lot in your career. You had a major accident uh, snowboarding with Rulon Gardner, um, and thus you then missed the '96 Olympic trials, I believe. No, I actually uh, I competed at the uh, Olympic trials in '96. Uh, 1985, I was the number one ranked uh, wrestler in the country. Uh, the first time I I finally beat Andy Saris, who yeah, 18 times kicked in a row. my ass 18 times in a row, and I finally beat him to make the uh, world team in 1995. Uh, going into 1996, I was the number one ranked wrestler. Um, I competed at nationals at my weight class 69 kilo and I just killed myself to make weight. I got I was lifting a lot, I, I got big, I had to lose 30 pounds to get down to weight. And after nationals, I went back up about 35 pounds and I just said, look, I, I can't do it anymore. So I went to the Olympic trials a weight class heavier and uh, I lost in the semifinals to Gordy Morgan who ended up making the Olympic team. So I, I, I finished the trials at uh, the fourth ranked, um, fourth ranked wrestler. So my my big problem that year was the weight issue. <laughs> and after that, you took a hiatus and were working for a computer company. Yeah, exactly. After that, I was just fed up with wrestling. Figured I, I needed to change change it up and uh, you know go back to work, start a career, do something different. So I spent uh, two years. Not wrestling, just just working and having fun. How does a guy like you, though, who is a competitor, what was at the top of the world in wrestling um, and traveled the world wrestling? How does how do you adjust to a desk job at that point in a computer company? Uh, well, it was interesting to me. It was um, it was fun at first because it was something new. I was meeting new people, doing different things. Um, but then I started to realize it's not really wasn't what I wanted to focus on. I didn't. I didn't want to be stuck in an office. Uh, to, you know, I, I just my heart wasn't there. It wasn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I was actually very thankful for Dan. Dan was coaching at Cerritos College at the time, and he he uh, came to me and said, "Hey, why don't you wrestle at Cerritos? Cerritos is a junior college in California." Mm -hmm. I just competed there <laughs> last two weeks ago. You did. Yeah, in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty nice gymnasium there. Yeah, nice college. The wavy and, uh, uh, roof. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he, he said, hey, why don't you come wrestle there? Uh, you can go to school, help you get classes, finish up your school. 
you know, that how you can train when you want to, and you know, uh, and of course, I'm like, why do I want to go wrestle junior college? I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I decided, you know, I'll just go. I'll go have fun. I'll wrestle. I'll compete. I'll just finish up my school. Um, my competitive nature kind of got really got into me, and I started to train every day. I got in really good shape and started wrestling again. And kind of loving wrestling again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I won the junior college uh, nationals or California mm-hmm. junior college. And uh, then I said, well, I'm in shape. I'm wrestling again. Why don't I go back and do some more Greco? Mm-hmm. So I went back and uh, wrestled Greco, and I think that year I came back, I hit third, third or fourth place at Nationals. And, uh, and then the following years when I was really training and gearing up for uh, 2000 is when I, I got injured mm-hmm. uh, snow, snowboarding. Um, you know, and that, that put me out for a couple months. I, I was in bad shape. I was in the ICU for a week. I was on bed rest for almost two months. And uh, you know, going going from training at the limit training center, five minute hard wrestling goes with the toughest guys in the world yeah. to being stuck in bed, can't even walk. You know, it was it was really really hard on me. Um, but again, after I started to recover, I started to get back into shape, and uh, I said, oh, "Let's give it a try." You know, I'm, I uh, I was I was working a job that had some flexibility. So I was able to train, and, uh, and I was happy training, and had some good partners. And uh, 2000 was the year it worked out for me. You know, I, I beat a really tough guy in the, in the finals to make the team, and uh, you know, I was just fortunate to finally make a team. <laughs> and just back on the point of mental toughness, what was your mindset though when you were losing 18 times to the same person over and over again? Um, how do you? Because I've 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 had that type of adversity. Some of my teammates have, where we fa- faced had a rivalry, where it was a one-sided rivalry. We almost psych ourselves out when we see that person in the bracket. Um, look, and, yeah. Look, looking back at it, it, it is a lot mental. You know, my first match I had with them was when I took second in the mm-hmm. World Team Trials in 1990, mm-hmm. and uh, I lost by point. I'm going, man, this old guy. I'm young. I'm 18. I'm going to get him next time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I lost to him again. Again, I was the number two guy behind him in 2001, uh, 2002, 2003. I lost to him. I lost to him in different international tournaments. In 2005, when I finally made the world team, I beat him in the finals mm-hmm. and uh, never lost to him again. What, what helped... Um help you stay focused or help you from getting too frustrated in that situation? Or did that well, frustration drive you in a way? Yeah, you know what? And I was talking to somebody else about this the other day. Having good competition, having a good competitor, someone, a, a nemesis, mm-hmm. man, it, it, it makes you grow. You're not just anymore, you're trying to beat that guy, but it takes your game to a, high, a much higher level um, you know, I, I've seen it with a lot of other wrestlers where they, they, year after year, they compete against each other for a national championship, and they're back and forth, and they're neck to neck, and they go back, and they train, and I got to beat that guy, and it gives them that drive, it gives them that motivation to get better, which, that guy's actually 
helping him get better. So when he goes and he beats that guy and he goes onto the world stage, he's that much better to compete against the toughest guys in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at a lot of the, the greatest wrestlers, a lot of them have had that rivalry that brought them to a level that made them the best in the world because they they had they had a they had something that just pushed them to become better. You know, if you walk through nationals, you beat everyone up. Maybe you don't train so hard. You go to the worlds, and you're not up to that level. So I, you know, I you see it with Dave Schultz, uh, Lee Kemp. When he beat Lee Kemp, Lee Kemp was the best in the world. They were neck to neck. When Dave finally beat him, he went on to win the world championships. Uh, Dennis Hall. Him and James Grunewald, they would oh, they would wrestle in the finals of the nationals, and whoever would win that match would go on and do really well at the worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think a good, the good competition and a competitor like that raises your level. Um, it may not seem like it at the time. You're like, man, I wish this guy would just go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but in the long run, you step up to the to the world championships, and you're a better wrestler. And just what were you thinking though um, prior to? Recovering from the snowboarding accident, because um, a lot of people would just say, "Hey, it's just not my year. Um, bad luck. Uh, maybe next time, where it's over." What, what kept you going after the snowboarding accident? Actually, you know what kept me going was I, I took a lot of the stress off myself when I was young, and that's all I was doing. I was like, "I have to make this team. I have to make this team." And, at this point in my life, I was like, man, I'm just going to train hard. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to give it everything I got. I, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working. Everything is fine. I, it's, it's not my life. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, you know, I gave it my best shot. And I think that really helped my mental focus. It really helped me train happier and compete happier, which made me a better competitor. Um, I didn't have so much weight cutting issues. My weight was more under control. Um, you know, just a lot of things have to line up. You know, people forget that the Olympics is every four years. You know, mm -hmm. so um, you know everything in your life has to be everything in your life, everything in your your athletic career, your family, you know, your relationships. Mm -hmm. Man, if, if something there is out of whack, you can just screw your whole year. <laughs> mm -hmm. So. Um, you, you just pretty much said I'm just gonna go out there and have fun and work, try to work my ball. But just taking that pressure of making exactly. this game. Yeah, I, I just took the pressure off myself. Did it loosen you up in your matches where you didn't go as tight, where you didn't hesitate, where you're more fluid because of that? It, um, yeah, it let me compete better. It let me enjoy my training better. It wasn't such a grind to train. I wasn't forcing myself. I was just, I was having fun. I would go and train. And, uh, you know, I just figured, I, I'm just going to go out there and give everything I have. And, you know, it just kind of freed me mentally. And I think it, it definitely did let me compete better. And um, going back now, tra transitioning a bit to your, your start in MMA, it was back in 1996-97 when you started working out with Dan Henderson, who was yeah. training. To, was he fight? he and Randy Couture fighting because... They need to supplement their wrestling training, uh, yeah. Financially, initially, yeah. I mean, we made, we made no money wrestling. Yet. I mean, very little. Maybe you got a stipend, thousand uh, dollars a month, something like that. But 
when Dan found out that he could go down to Brazil and fight two fights and come back with $15,000 cash. <laughs> Yeah, that was his motivation at first. And he thought, okay, I'm going to make some money, and then I can concentrate on my wrestling. Um, you know, and he, then it evolved after that. But. And were you guys training initially? Because I've read this story that before there was a Team Quest, it was uh, Rico Ciparelli and Raw. Does that ring a bell? Um, yeah, Raw, actually, Rico. Uh-huh. Um, kind of recruited Randy to fight. Mm-hmm. Recruited Dan. Um, I don't think Frank Trigg quite then but some of the some of the wrestlers um, they brought him in and said hey we got these fights for you we can help train you and, and they uh, they got him started in their career were you training with those guys back then uh, with Rico, I started or? I started training with Dan a little bit before his first fight um, more actually I just let Dan beat me up <laughs> mm-hmm. Back then, did you have an inkling that your life would turn into this because no, of that? No, no. I, I really did not want to. I just thought, hey, this is fun. I'll help Dan. I'll train. Uh, it's fun learning some new things, but I, I never thought I would uh, get that deep involved in it. Um, and I actually didn't compete uh, my first MMA match until I was totally done wrestling, mm-hmm. which was six years later or something like that. And at that point, what, ma- what gave you that itch? Um, I I was pretty much done wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, I actually competed at the 2004 Olympic Trials, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, w- I wasn't training like I needed to to win the trials. I, mm-hmm. I went and I competed, and I lost. And then I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not into this anymore. I, I, really, I, want to, I want to try fighting. You know, I was still healthy. I was strong. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I can do this. All my friends are doing this. So then I decided to give it a try, and I um, expanded my training. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, it was tough back then because you have limited opportunities. There's not mm-hmm. many shows. There's, you know, so I, I was fortunate enough to, to uh, get some fights in Japan in Pancras mm-hmm. uh, through Dan's uh, manager at the time. He was helping set up fights in Pride and things. So I, uh, you know, my first fight in Pancrase, I went over uh, like two weeks before. They said, "Hey, we need somebody." Uh, I was like, "Had a weight twenty pounds heavier than me to fight some guy who's tough." But I was like, "Okay, mm-hmm. it's a chance. Uh, I'll go do it." So I went over. I ended up losing the fight, but it opened the doors for me to to get some more fights in. And at what point did you realize coaching would be, MMA would be in your future? Um, because you were working with Dan Henderson in a lot of training camps, preparing Jason Mayhem Miller, Chris Ossosinski, uh, to name of Tarek Safadine. Uh, what do you say, wait, I think I, I could be re- a really great coach? Um, you know, I, I when I first, me and Dan and a lot of the fighters, we, we used to train at a wrestling room. Mm-hmm. And we, we had trained for fights there. We'd go in at night, they'd let us use the wrestling room, mm-hmm. and we had a group of guys that trained. And uh, then we decided, why don't we open a gym? You know, they mm-hmm. opened one up in Oregon. It's doing well. We got we got the coaches. All we need to do is get the facility. And uh, you know, my agreement with Dan at the time was, look, I'll run the gym. I'll take care of everything. I'll help coach. I'll find other coaches. We'll get your partners. And you know, it's a good training situation for Dan, and also a good business opportunity. So I um, I did a lot of the gym management. And not as much of the coaching aspect when mm-hmm. we first started. Um, as we went on, 
after a few years, I started getting a little bit more into the coaching aspect and a little bit less of the, the, the gym business side of it. And, uh, um, you know, it took me a while. You know, at first, I, I didn't really want to coach. You know, I just wanted to run the, run the gym. I wanted to help manage the fighters. Um, but then I, I started to realize that, you know, I, I, I do enjoy it. You know, I have a lot of knowledge I can share. Um, you know, um, you know, then starting to work with some of our younger, up-and-coming guys and our more experienced guys. And one thing led to another and started coaching more and more. So was this more, was it kind of an organic evolution where out of necessity at Team Quest at the time? Yeah, yeah, somewhat. And did you start off as the wrestling coach specifically and then transition to MMA? No, you know, MMA coach. When we first opened Team Quest, we actually didn't we didn't have wrestling because uh, there was a good kids wrestling program, high school wrestling program in town, and we didn't want to focus on that. We wanted mm -hmm. to uh, just do jiu-jitsu and uh, and Muay Thai and fighters. You know, it was a fight gym. You mm -hmm. know, really fight gym, but um, because the fighters were popular, we attracted a lot of good, a lot of members. Mm -hmm. um, what was the question again? Uh, if if uh, you were primarily the wrestling coach in uh, yeah. No, no. I, I initially, my agreement with Dan was, look, I'll run everything. I'll take care of you. Just help me get the gym up and going. Um, let's build it out. I'll run it. I'll I'll do everything. So I, I, was, I was almost more on the business side of things. Just running the gym, managing the gym, uh, hiring people to, to teach. Running the class schedule, the market, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was a grind. <laughs> yeah, and because uh, you guys had the gym in Temecula, the, Teme uh, the Temecula branch of Team Quest, you guys had a good roster of fighters. You were going, you were coach on tough. You were um, cornering a bu bunch of UFC fighters. On paper, it looks great. What made you still have that itch to say, "I'm going, I'm looking for another adventure in life." Um, you know, like we talked about earlier, I, I like traveling. I like going to different places. Mm -hmm. um, and Chatri really sold me on it when, after I talked to him. I, I, I liked his vision of what he had for Evolve, for Asian MMA, what he wanted to do, the potential of the market. Um, and again, it was just a different challenge to me. I enjoy traveling. I knew I'd be able to travel and see different places, live somewhere different, and uh, and Evolve is a is a a great company to have behind you, not just Chatri, but the, the 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 whole the whole company. You know, we, we work together really well, so I have so much support here to help me do my job mm -hmm. that uh, you know it's, it's it's like a dream job for a coach for me. <laughs> and your day, it's not an easy job though because you're here early in the morning to late at night how would you describe your daily routine yeah it's not easy uh put in a lot of hours you know i, I teach regular classes here uh, i teach a fitness class warrior fit i teach uh mma i teach wrestling um, i help with our uh, young amateur team and i coach our professional fight team um, you know of course i get to work with a lot of our other coaches we got some world champions of Muay Thai mm -hmm. that work with our guys. We have eight black belts that help with our with our fight team. 
Um, so I get, I get to help put it all together, uh, put our schedule together, put our camps together for fights, help with the strategy, and uh, the, day, the daily training. So you're still doing the all the stuff you did it as far as the administrative organizing side that you did team plus in addition to the coaching? No, I don't do any of that. I oh, just do the coaching. Yeah, I don't do any administrative right. nothing. Uh, I just I go and I just show up and, and teach. That that's why it's that's why it works so well. Mm-hmm. And just with the teaching and coaching, how is the wrestling here in Southeast Asia? Because uh, you get a lot of the Muay Thai fighters trying to transition to MMA um, is it up, up at the same level as it is in the United States? No, I mean, the wrestling level here is, is is rather low. There's just not as many opportunities for people to train, to learn uh, competitions. Uh, they don't compete in high school or junior college, you know, uh, junior high school level. So there's the opportunities just aren't here. Uh, there's a good group of Singaporeans that, that train regularly. The Singaporean Wrestling Federation does a good job of helping grow the sport. Um, but still, it's it's a young group of guys, and they still don't have the opportunities um, for as much competitions as they need and, and, and training. So it's it's uh, it's tough here. In a short training camp, say six to eight weeks out, you can't teach a. a a fighter everything what would it be the two essential wrestling components that you would teach them in order to survive an MMA fight um what's interesting like uh Kurong mm-hmm. Rong he uh great Muay Thai guy I did not realize this until he started coming in and training with us mm-hmm. but he he has a lot of a lot of those skills translating over into MMA. Mm-hmm. His clinch work, like me trying to clinch and Greco take him down, very, very mm-hmm. hard. And then if I have to avoid a knee and an elbow, oh, I'm in trouble. So he, they have the clinch, they can pummel, they can fight, they have the knees, they have the kicks, they have the elbows. Learning the ground for them is the biggest factor. Learning how to sprawl, learning takedown defense, it's actually the easiest part of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Learning the timing, the shots, the finishes, that, that takes more time. But to teach a, a, a Muay Thai guy how to sprawl, how to avoid takedowns, how to move, how to avoid you know, getting in a, a clinch or, or a guy setting up a shot on him mm-hmm. is probably the easiest part of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I was surprised at how far, how fast they picked it up, how fast he learned. Um, I, I was surprised at the variety of skills they had, just from Mutai. I just thought Mutai punch, kick, elbow, but man, they they can clinch, they can all balance you, they can pummel. They <laughs> mm-hmm. And also, as one of the challenges coaching here at. Evolve is you have fighters that they don't live in Singapore and train in Singapore year round. They just show for a camp. What's it like coaching and communicating with them once they're in camp and getting them up to speed on strategy, breaking down film, especially considering you have a long day of teaching classes and coaching already? Um, are, you, are you talking about the people that come in for our um, camps? Yeah, similar to say a Ben Askren oh, or okay. um, say, um, let me think of another name as well. Uh, Shinya and Shinya will come yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, you know, we have some fighters that, that 
train here, but work full time and, and train. Then we have fighters that come in for their camps. Um, but it's the same. They they train with our team. We help organize their uh, their training geared towards when the fight is, fight strategy. Um, it, it's no different, other than they don't uh, they don't teach regular classes. Mm-hmm. And just give me words. Just got to do this and. How are you able to transfer one final question? You, the, your mental toughness again, overcoming losing to the same opponent 18 times, um, growing from your snowboarding accent. How are you able to transfer that to your fighters right now? Um, I think it's done through training. It has to be done through training. You have, you have to put yourself in a difficult situation in training, either by being tired, even either being in bad position, bad situation having to overcome that, um, you know, mental skills are built in training. Mm-hmm. You can imagine it, you can do a lot of visualization, but you have to put yourself in these in these hard situations to overcome them and get the confidence to, uh, to build your, your mental toughness, your mental strength. And a lot of that is just having your confidence. When you you're able to get through a training session that's mentally very challenging to you, physically very challenging to you. It, it gives you the strength to go, okay, well, this guy ain't gonna, this guy ain't gonna do anything worse than what I just went through. He's not gonna do anything different to me than this world champion kickbox, you know, Muay Thai guy is doing to me. Um, so it's all done in training. Right. Cool. Thank you very much for your time, Heath. I really appreciate. Um, learned a lot about about your background also just again with mental toughness which has been a common topic in jiu-jitsu and MMA circles recently on forums and articles and so it's a very big um, pertinent topic and also just learned a lot about your world travels and uh, just um, your experiences wrestling and growing Team Quest so thank you very much for your time I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much.